Good morning, everyone. I'd also like to welcome all of you that are here, some of you that are visiting, and especially those that are joining us online. I'd like to start with a reading from Whispers from Eternity, which is Yogananda's book of poems and prayer demands. This is, make us transparent that thy light may shine through us unimpeded. The sunbeams of thy love shine equally on all the members of thy cosmic family, whether prophet, hero, villain, tiny moth, or me. It is our own fault if we make ourselves opaque by our own mental and emotional dullness. Teach us to wipe away the dirt of error from the windows of our understanding. Our arms are weak for the task, owing to our long inner spiritual resistance. O oh, master cleanser, lend power to our efforts that we may wipe away every last spot that clings to our minds, obscuring our transparency and preventing free entry to thy light. O oh, make us fully clean again, invisible in our egos, because transmitting only visions of thy beauty, which lies within us. So it seems here we are again with another reminder that things are not what they seem. This is a recurring theme. If you <laughs> come to Sunday service once in a while even, you'll start to notice again and again we have this reminder that what we see, what we hear, what we perceive with the senses is not the full picture, is not the true reality. And again and again, we have this invitation, this opportunity to develop within ourselves that ability to perceive that divine reality. So recently, last month, I had the opportunity to lead Sunday school, and I had chosen the topic of divine light and you know, experiencing God as light. So I thought I'd start off with a sort of conversation, discussion question, what are all the sources of light that we can see in the world? You know, where do we see light? And you know, I was expecting some of the usual answers like the sun, the moon, the stars, you know, when we turn on a light switch, maybe in a candle flame, things like that. But pretty quickly, one of the children said, the masters. And I thought, well, yes, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> and it's not so surprising because, of course, the masters, the saints, absolutely are a source of light in the world. But what was surprising to me was just how easy it was for them to see that, to express that, that there was no, and no one disagreed. You know, there was no sense of, well, wait a minute, you know, none of that, no skepticism, no sense of doubt. There was just this, well, of course. And it's such a beautiful reminder of the need to be more childlike, to be receptive, to be childlike in order to tune into that presence that's right there in front of us. Right? Because it's not something that we can perceive with the intellect, with reason. It's through our heart, through that perfect childlike faith and that ability to see. Swami said that it's not until you develop the heart quality 
that you're able to see things as they are. And so think of the childlikeness, that devotion, that simplicity of the saints. We have so many beautiful examples. And I was thinking a lot about Rajasi Janakananda, who is Yogananda's foremost disciple. And they had such a beautiful childlike relationship, that guru-disciple relationship, but there was such a sweetness there. And Yogananda was always praising Rajasi for, for that childlike humility, for that simplicity that he expressed. And someone once asked Yogananda, how did Rajasi make such rapid spiritual progress? And Master's response was so simple. He knows how to listen. Here was a man who was outwardly extremely successful. He had all the accomplishments and the wealth that anyone would seek. And yet, how did he achieve God realization? How did he achieve that? Through that unconditional love for the guru, through that attunement to the guru, approaching with devotion from his heart, not from the intellect, not from the will, but from the heart. We have this incredible story from the autobiography of the yogi this week of Yogananda's visit to Ram Gopal Muzumdar. And it's one of many, many, many examples in the autobiography of this miraculous divine light. And for some of us, when we read this for the first time, it's thrilling, and yet it's also somewhat beyond comprehension. <laughs> it's beyond our reality. And Yogananda begins through these stories in the autobiography to share the teachings, to try to explain to us what this divine reality is. And he even dedicates an entire chapter to the law of miracles, and in that chapter, he shares many of the scientific advances and proofs and um, explanations for this divine reality that everything is light, that everything is consciousness. And we're seeing it continue today in science that more and more we're tuning into energy as the one reality. And yet we can understand this and we read this maybe the first time, second time, third time, and we start to take it in and understand it on a certain level. But it isn't until we practice the techniques and develop our attunement to the guru that we truly begin to understand, that we truly begin to have our own direct experience. And that's what Yogananda came to ask us to do, to give us that opportunity to have our own direct experience of God, not to rely on an intellectual understanding or a dogmatic understanding, but to have our own experience through meditation and we have to have that experience within because it's an inner reality. You know, I can come up here and I can maybe explain the science, the yoga teachings behind divine light and the explanation of it. But until we meditate, until we still ourselves and we go within and have that inner experience, we don't really understand what it is. And it's through that inner experience. Once we have that, then we can begin to see that reality everywhere. You know, divine sight is center everywhere, circumference nowhere. But we have to first have that inner experience. Everything in this material world is a reflection of that divine reality. You know, in the reading, it references the idea that the sun 
is a reflection of that divine light. And we have clouds. <laughs> We've been having some really stormy weather. We have storms and clouds also that block that sunlight. And so too, within us, we have the clouds and storms of ego, of anger, of frustration, of anxiety and worry, of restlessness that block out that divine light, that make it difficult to see, to perceive, to experience that divine light within. But just as if we got in an airplane and we flew up above the clouds, we would see that the sun is still there shining. We're able to do that through the techniques of meditation. We can rise up above that ego consciousness and come to focus at the point between the eyebrows. And the more we practice that, the more we do that, we can rise above those clouds of ego that block out that light. Now, we might not see blazing lightning in our meditations. We may not perceive those astral lights the way that it's explained in the autobiography, but what do we experience? We begin to perceive solutions. We begin to tune into the goodness and the kindness that's around us. We begin to express those higher qualities so that light comes to us even if we don't see it in the way that it's expressed in the autobiography with blazing, flashing lightning, we do begin to experience that divine light. And as we meditate, as we spend time with other devotees, as we serve, we begin to open up that receptivity to that divine light. I had an interesting experience last month. I was leading a family retreat for Christmas. We had some families come and visit at the Expanding Light. And one of the parents um, who was going to come with her two children, she noticed that it was going to be cold and rainy. And so she emailed me and said, I don't think we're gonna come. It's gonna be cold and rainy and we don't, we don't wanna come. And I thought, well, <laughs> That doesn't seem like a very good reason not to come. I think you should come, you know, and I talked to her about it and I said, you know, well, we won't go outside if it's really pouring, we'll play inside and, you know, we have lots of, you know, heat, we have blankets, we'll stay nice and cozy, you know, <laughs> just kind of trying to calm her worries. And so she was convinced, she decided to come and had a wonderful, had a wonderful experience. It was extremely cold and rainy and it even snowed that weekend. Um, but what was interesting is what she said at the end of the retreat on the last day, we were all just reflecting and sharing our experience and our gratitude. And she said, it felt like there was an inner light that we were carrying around with us wherever we went that the bad weather just couldn't touch. And I thought, wow, she had that experience. Right? She was able to break through that limited perception that I'm only going to enjoy myself if <laughs> fill in the blank. We all have those things, right? I'm only gonna be able to be happy if. She was able to have a direct experience of that inner light, of that inner joy that's not dependent on outer circumstances. To be able to transcend that, to get above those clouds. What a powerful experience. And it's, the opportunity that we all have to live more in that light. It's there all the time. But we get sidetracked. <laughs> we get distracted. 
And even this story of Yogananda visiting Ram Gopal Mosamdar is an interesting one because it starts off, he's been with Sri Yukteswar, he's found his guru. He's with Sri Yukteswar and he says to Sri Yukteswar, I'm leaving, I'm going to the mountains to find enlightenment. I mean, can you imagine? <laughs> you know, and, and so he goes and he even asks Ram Gopal Mozumdar for samadhi, can you give me enlightenment? And Ram Gopal reminds him, you have everything you need in Sri Yukteswar, you have everything you need in your guru. The mountains cannot be your guru. He says, what one does not trouble to find within will not be discovered by transporting the body hither and yon. <laughs> A wonderful reminder. I just had to read these words because they're just so perfect. He said, as soon as the devotee is willing to go even to the ends of the earth for spiritual enlightenment, his guru appears nearby. What? A reminder. And even Yogananda, you know, he acts this out. The masters, the avatars act out these different <laughs> scenarios for our, for our benefit to remind us that God is the nearest of the near. There's no place we need to go. There's no um, outward activity. There's nothing we need to accomplish outwardly in order for God to be here right now. It's just a matter of calming our hearts and minds and opening ourselves in receptivity. Yogananda told us to pray, Lord, where I am, there thou must come. God is the nearest of the near. Now sometimes, even though God is the nearest of the near, we just don't feel that presence. We can't see that light. We, maybe we know it's there. And I had a friend who was sharing with me recently that she's been having some dark periods of, you know, she's been going through some different tests and just having some moments of just really not being able to feel that divine presence, not being able to feel or see that light, even though she knows it's there, just not being able to feel that. I think most of us have at least had some experience of that. And what did she do in response? She said, all I could do was say, thank you, master. Thank you, Master. She said, I didn't feel grateful. You know, the ego was arguing. I didn't necessarily feel grateful, but I knew that this is what my higher self would say. She said, the ego disagrees, but the soul knows, the soul knows that these challenges, that these tests are a blessing. All I could do was say, thank you, Master. So yes, God is present, even in the darkness, even in the darkness. The light, I wanna really focus on that part because a lot of times we focus on the, uh, the darkness comprehended it not and our inability to comprehend and why we get caught and that's important to work on that. But to first just focus on that first part, the light shineth in darkness. Regardless of whether we understand, whether we're able to perceive that light, whether we're able to rise above our ego consciousness, that light is shining. It's unconditional. It's unconditional. It's always there. I've been focusing and just trying to tune in more to Divine Mother because Yogananda said that the mother aspect of God is nearer than the Father. And 
So I've been reading this wonderful book that's a compilation of um, different uh, accounts of apparitions of Divine Mother Mary. It's called A Woman, a Woman Clothed with the Sun. And it's eight different apparitions of Mary written about by different authors. But the editor, what's interesting is the editor in the introduction talks about what are some of the common characteristics of these different apparitions. And one of them, of course, is light. Universally, they all express seeing that divine light as is expressed in the Gita, brighter than a thousand suns, right? More brilliant. But what's also interesting is who she appears to and where she appears. So she doesn't come to people that are influential, that are wealthy and well-educated or powerful in a worldly sense. She comes very often to children in these different apparitions, or in a few cases, to adults that are very childlike, very simple, and very deep in their devotion. And why is that? Because they're receptive, because they accept unhesitatingly what they see, what they perceive. There's, there's nothing standing in the way. There's no intellectual argument. There's no reasoning that jumps in. There's just this heart quality. As Swami said, it's only when we develop that heart quality that we're able to see things as they really are. So just ask yourself, are you seeing things as they really are from the heart? Or are we caught sometimes in our minds, in our egos, in our rationalizations and justifications and all of that? And the other interesting thing is where these apparitions occur. They don't happen in beautiful places, beautiful gardens or stately mansions or castles or at universities even where there's lots of you know, theologians that could understand <laughs> or analyze what they see. No, in these inaccessible, isolated, desolate, poverty-stricken places, you know, just out in the middle of nowhere, and oftentimes in places where religion had been um, forgotten or openly criticized or ridiculed. And what is the lesson there? That Divine Mother comes to us where she is needed. She comes where she's needed, right? That light shineth in the darkness. So is God present where there is ignorance? Yes, absolutely. You think about the examples of our masters, of Jesus, you know, incarnating at, you know, the lowest point in the dark ages and the difficulty and persecution, and master even coming to the West as one of the first teachers from India to really dedicate himself to sharing these teachings here, and how difficult that was. And yet, Divine Mother shines her light in the darkness the light shineth in darkness is such a beautiful reminder of that unconditional love, of that infinite compassion of Divine Mother. Wherever she's needed, she will come. We have this quote that we think of often, if you only knew how much God loved you, you would die for joy. <laughs> and yet we hear it, but do we really understand it? It's a little beyond our comprehension, that love, isn't it? It's a little bit beyond 
when we're trying to understand it with our mind. But when we tune in with the heart, when we open ourselves in receptivity, Divine Mother doesn't need us to understand. She doesn't need us to figure it all out or to have all the answers. We can leave that to her. But when we open ourselves in receptivity, to put ourselves in situations that help us to remember, whether we feel it or not, to help us to remember that God is here. God is present even where there is darkness, even where there's difficulty. She's here with us. And so I wanted to end by reading this quote from the Divine Romance Master's Yogananda's words, a beautiful reminder how to travel through this darkness. He says, make the Lord the shepherd of your soul Make him your searchlight when you move along a shadowy pathway in life. He is your moon in the night of ignorance. He is your sun during the wakeful hours. And he is your pole star on the dark seas of mortal existence. Seek his guidance. The world will go on like this in its ups and downs. Where shall we look for a sense of direction? Not to the prejudices roused within us by our habits, and the environmental influences of our families, our country, or the world, but to the guiding voice of truth within, to that inner light. God bless. The secret of laughter lies in the laughing, not in the search for joy. It's a swallow winging on the wind, it's innocence in a boy. Joy will come to anyone whose heart has learned to fly. Joy will come to anyone whose heart has learned to fly. Joy in the singing, not in the song, some welcome but never crave. If you think that laughter lies in things, to things you'll be but a slave. Joy will come to anyone whose heart has learned to fly. Could win the world and still be poor, win peace and live like a king. Joy will come to anyone whose heart has learned to fly. Joy will come to anyone whose heart has learned to fly. Sing when the sun shines, sing when the rain falls, sing when your road seems strange. In a tempest seize the lightning flash and ride the winds of change. Joy will come to anyone whose heart has learned to fly.
If thou wilt see opal flame Drive darkness evermore Searing thy silence With a sword of pranayam Searing thy silence With a sword of pranayam Through the starry opal eye See the Christ everywhere, sleeping in every atom, in protons, electrons, sleeping in every atom, in protons, electrons, golden misty aureole adorns the opal door. Through the star in the blue, meet the Christ everywhere. Through the star in the blue, meet the Christ everywhere. Starry dove with wings of rays, a light on forehead, showing you the throne of Christ in the peace of every heart, showing you the throne of Christ, in the peace of every heart. Make thine eyes a single flame, to see the starry gate. Thy body will be light, illumining all space. Thy body will be light, illumining all space. By wise inspiration, follow the starry eye to see the Christ born in thy soul anew. To see the Christ born in thy soul anew. Starry dove with wings of flame, baptize me in thy light, spreading my soul with Christ in the bliss everywhere. Spreading my soul with Christ in the bliss everywhere. Shining opening in hall of matter, O star, I peep through thee into the land of astral light that kindles life in everything. Into the land of astral light that kindles life in everything. If thou wilt see opal flame, drive darkness evermore. If thou wilt see opal flame, drive darkness evermore. 
If thou wilt see opal flame Drive darkness evermore